Hi, and welcome to the premiere of season five of On the Job with Porak. Oh, Do you think everybody knows me by now? Do you think I still need to say I'm Brian Marvel? <laughs> or you could be like, like, you know, use the single first word like Oprah. Yeah. Hi, this is Brian. Yeah. Everybody knows. It's Brian and Damon, B and D. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, and welcome to season five premiere of On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak, with Porak Vice President Damon Kurtz. Uh, we're starting the uh, 2022 off with the January legislative update and uh, what it's going to look like moving forward. Uh, there's a couple items that we should probably talk to. I got Randy Perry in here with us to talk about this. A couple items I think we should talk about is uh, SB2, Senate Bill 2, which is the police licensing bill, obviously uh, passed and uh, was signed by the governor. Now, uh, in 2022, they're going to uh, to build out the program at post. Um, as we're recording this podcast, there's actually a meeting in San Diego on, uh, I believe they're drafting uh, some of the policies and procedures in regards to that, um, but I know there's some other cleanup stuff that we need to uh, to discuss a little bit, and uh, I'll have Randy explain a little bit what needs to be cleaned up. Thank you, Brian. Again, I'm Randy Perry with Aaron Reed and Associates. So there were tough negotiations the last couple of weeks of session um, in 21 on SB2. The final amendments went into the bill, and it moved to the governor, and he signed the bill. It becomes effective this summer. However, there are other pieces of the bill that don't take effect until 2023, giving post time to kind of, like you said, build out the program, hire investigators and the like. They have a, the SB2 set up a, a division, a new division within post, and they have to hire that up. Um, however, there were some tweaks that still, and definitions that still need to be, uh, um, changed in the bill or added to the bill. PORAC is going to be probably sponsoring legislation um, to make some of those changes and uh, definitions. So that's what we'll be doing in 22 on the bill. Are there any, um, outside of SB2, um, I believe there was a lot of holdover bills, two-year bills. Um, you know, some of them we hoped uh, they would ultimately die and, and, and not move forward, but... Uh, Obviously, with a uh, two-year legislative session, um, what is like the drop-dead date on a two-year bill? Well, like you said, this is uh, legislative sessions are in two years. They whatever, however, a bill moves in year one, if it meets certain deadlines, then it continues on in the second year. The bills that did move out of their house of origin, in other words, assembly bills introduced in the assembly, if they did move out of the assembly in the first year, they have until January 31st to move to the next house. 
if a bill in its first year moved out of its house of origin into the other house, then it just continues on from where it left off in year one, in year two. So if a bill moved to the Senate Public Safety, an assembly bill moved to the Senate Public Safety Committee or one of the other committees and was held there, then it will simply continue on in that committee starting in about two months. And when is, so are they under the guidelines of the, like till August that could get out of committee and, and be heard on the floor again? Well, generally it will be held to the, um, deadline that all bills need to move out of that policy committee. Both Senate bills and assembly bills have a deadline to move out of their policy committees, usually around May. So it'll have to about May. The Generally, the way it works is the bills that are sitting, assembly bills, for example, sitting in a Senate committee will have, will take the back seat to Senate bills moving out of their own committee first. So the bills that are introduced, the new bills introduced in the Senate will be assigned. Um, they have until, I think it's um, February 18th, 17th or 18th, um, to introduce new bills, both houses. They will be assigned to their policy committees and the policy committees will make their own house bills priority. Once those are moved on, because remember, they still have deadlines they have to hit to get over to the other house. So once each house has dealt with their own bills and their policies and moved them to the fiscal committees, or if they're not fiscal to the floor, then they will take up the other house's bills in those committees. So May is about the end of the deadline. Some of them go to June to take up the bills, and then they will move them to the fiscal committees to the floor, and then to the other houses. So with all of that um, going on, um, what are some of the priority bills that you see um, that we're going to have to worry about this uh, session? I know, um, you know, over the last three years, we've actually had quite a few public safety bills. I mean, they, they've run the gamut. Um, it's almost like uh, people watching TV or the news, they see something, they got to write a piece of legislation to legislate it. And it just, uh, we've been on the defense for a very long time. And I assume we're going to be on the defense again this year. Um, hopefully the pendulum swinging a little bit uh, in the other direction, uh, especially with the uh, uptick that we're seeing across the nation, especially here in California uh, on crime. So um, are there any high-priority bills that you're seeing that we need to be paying attention to? Yeah, there were over 100 bills that PORAC had concerns with in 2021. About 65 of those were really <laughs> active opposed bills, bills that we had to make sure we tried to either amend favorably or stop. With that, about five of the bills made it to the governor. Of the five bills that made it to the governor, two of them were not amended favorably. In other words, we successfully negotiated amendments to those bills, um, and one of those the governor vetoed. So we, we had a very successful year. However, like we said earlier, those bills that we were able to stop, um, most of them made it to the other house. So they are still sitting there and still eligible. Um, Senator Scott Weiner from San Francisco had about a half dozen bills that we actively opposed. Three of those bills are still sitting there. Um, they're still 
live, uh, you know, um, they may be placed on what's called the inactive file, but they will be pulled off of inactive. So what we do in the second year with those two-year bills that are still, you know, eligible to move, we start from day one trying to negotiate again, continue where we left off, trying to negotiate amendments to that. If they were held, then that means that probably the senator or assembly member didn't have the votes to move the bill. So that kind of gives us some strength. You know, we have, I don't want to say the upper hand, but we definitely have negotiating um, status at the table. So what we will do is negotiate and start trying to amend those bills favorably to make it so maybe we can remove our opposition. If not, we just, and they're not willing to take any amendments where we left off, then we're just going to go after the bill and try and kill those bills at some point. And then another interesting component of this whole process that we have to manage and you as our advocate, but us, uh, for Brian and I here at the Porak side is, then there's these bills that we're focused on, or better yet, the fo- the bills that we're not focused on because they're not really addressing law enforcement. Then they do with they, they gut and amend a bill, and suddenly there's this bill there that we weren't aware of in the first place that's now changed from it could be something about dairy farmers, and all of a sudden it's about public safety, and it's a really bad bill, and it's going to go into uh, affect it, and we have to be you know all in on that and it wasn't on our radar before. And so we have to be very mindful of every one of these bills that's just kind of floating around out there that could literally change. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The The good thing is that part of what we do at Aaron Reed and Associates is we read every single version of a bill. Now, keep in mind, there, there are little tricks that can be, be, be played by legislators. Um, yeah, and actually, we, we can do the same game um, to our benefit, but... When you amend a bill, um, you see the italicized amendments or the strikeout amendments in the bill. But one of the tricks you can do is you can amend a bill and then the next day you amend it again with a minor change. And the only, in that version, the only change you will see is that minor change because when you amend the bill again, the previous amendments are now just in black and white like the rest of the bill. So there's a way to hide amendments. Sometimes legislators do that. They will literally put major amendments into a bill during the, you know, the two or three weeks of introducing bills, and you won't see it. Then they'll turn around and amend the bill again. So all of those, if you weren't quick enough to catch that version, you don't know what they did to that bill. So you're saying some legislatures aren't transparent? In the well, process? you know. I mean, that's know, completely shocking yeah, to me. It's not I mean, done as much as it used to be done, but it can be done. So we read every single version of every single bill that comes through. Now, the other thing is a few years ago, they passed actually legislation that said that a an amendment or a gut and amend, as you said, which happens all the time, a gut and amend now has to have some type of germaneness. So to take a dairy bill, for example, and a gut amend it and make it a, a you know, anti-law enforcement bill or something would be a lot more difficult because there's no germaneness. But germaneness is in the eyes of the rules committee. So if the speaker tells the chair of rules, I want you to find germaneness, um, they can do that. However, normally... At least it needs to be in the same code section, right? Not section, but the same code at least. At least it should be a penal code, right? If, 
I mean, germaneness can be as broad as it's only in the same code. That's it. So a lot of games being played, but we're on it. I mean, that's what we do. And that's why for the next between now and the deadline to introduce bills, February 18th, we are reading every single day, every bill that comes out that's been amended, we are reading. Even if it's dealing with dairy, you know, we are reading that bill to make sure there's something not being snuck in. Yeah, I think, is it cow tipping a misdemeanor? You know, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> so you're the cowboy fan, you tell me. Yeah. So on top of that, with the legislative uh, session just beginning, obviously uh, redistricting uh, happened. Um, a lot of elected officials are uh, retiring and um, leaving a lot of vacancies. Um, we already saw uh, Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez uh, left the legislature last Wednesday. Um, due, I don't know, not so much due to redistricting, but uh, um, you know that's going to leave her seat open. It's going to be a really interesting year for us uh, for 2022 with these vacancies, a uh, whole bunch of new candidates we ne- may have never seen before. Uh, in addition to uh, the federal level, um, I think 2022 is going to be a really big year uh, for elections. Uh, hopefully, we can get some more people that are pro-public safety <laughs> in the legislature, make our job a little bit easier. Um, although, early prediction in January, uh, obviously, we could probably say the GOP is not going to take over the legislature. But uh, the question is, do you believe that the super, super majority the Democrats have, do you think maybe that could be trimmed down a little bit? You know, I don't think so. The Like you said, the early predictions are that the Democrats in both the Assembly and the Senate are going to keep their super majority, the two-thirds in both houses. Um, the Republicans are trying to pick up, I think they, they're they were thinking early on that they could pick up about four or five seats. I don't see it. You uh, have the redistricting partners coming in. Um, that's a, a, a good question for them. Porak's political action program is going to, it, it you know has always done a great job. But this year for 22 and in 24, when most of the legislators will be terming out, we will have to really step up our game and do the analyses that are needed. We'll be doing polling. Um, we're going to be asking all of our local leaders, our local PORAC members, association leaders, chapter leaders, to really step up their game, to be interviewing these folks at the local level, providing all of you, the board members who make the final endorsements for Assembly and Senate, um, with the background information on these people, especially if they're local elected officials. I mean, we will need to know what they think about law enforcement. What are their positions on issues that are very important to PORAC? And so because PORAC is a ground-up organization, which is wonderful, we will need that ground education. And so we will be doing whatever we can up here at this level. We will be meeting with the moderate Democratic caucus. We'll be meeting with the Republican caucus um, to try and find those candidates. But it's really going to have to come from the chapter level and from the association level. You know, it's, it's an interesting process um, when you start getting involved in, you know, the union side of things and your associations and trying to engage, you know, both at the local level and then the state and even federal level. And you're talking to, you know, your legislators and um, 
the partisan stuff starts to fade away when you do this. Um, you know, before this, you know, we we tend to gravitate towards a uh, a specific party. Typically, for uh, cops, we tend to be more conservative. So the Republican Party, they see that as their their power base. But um, ultimately, when we get in here, we stop looking really at the DRR. I mean, we know it's there because we're looking at viability for the candidate and whether they can get elected in this state. But for us, it's really about the issues. And we try to look at the issues. And we talked about being, you know, Brian mentioned pro-law enforcement. And the sad thing is, at this point, we just want them to be not anti-law enforcement, right? And that we can actually literally have a conversation with them and that they don't aren't so biased towards uh, law enforcement based on what they've seen through the media, which is usually pre- pretty much false and only partial information, that we can say, hey, these are the issues um, here's why we are, we stand where we're at, and you know, can't we get your support on some of these bills? And really, it's about common sense. It's not about trying to be pro or anti. It's just can we get back to where we can have common sense conversations? And that's what we're looking at our, our candidates. Can we find uh, a good candidate? And you know, I say all the time, I just want to moderate, and I don't care what initial they have when it comes to whether it's a Democrat, Republican, or independent. I just want a moderate that we can have a conversation with, and hopefully uh, we're not dealing with stuff that's so, you know, quote-unquote crazy, some of this legislation that is just literally ridiculous. Yeah, Park's position has been in the past that we just need to support people who are are governing from the middle, right, regardless if they're Republican or Democrat. I, I think on a kind of a final note, I think our members need to understand if they question, a lot of times I've heard you know, they meant, why do we support so many Democrats? Well, one thing you have to think about is we, our job up here and your job as board members and leaders of Poor to get the legislation through that's going to, you know, protect our members on the street, help them as, as, as union leaders or help them as union members, right? It's about bread and butter issues, retirement, pension, uh, uh, protection, things of that sort, but also to protect their job, protect them in their jobs so they're not injured. When they are injured, they're covered. All of those things um, have to pass a legislature and to pass a Democratic, two-thirds Democratic-controlled House and Senate means that we need to play in that arena with the Democrats, right? But it doesn't mean that we have to, you know, succumb to the uber-progressives either, what we need to do is we need to get people elected, like you said, that govern from the middle, whether the Republicans or Democrats, it shouldn't matter. And if the Democrats are controlling all the statewide offices and two-thirds of both houses, then that's the arena we are playing in. Yep, very good analysis uh, by both Damon and you on that. And I really appreciate you coming in, Randy, to talk about this. Um, and what uh, 2022 is going to look like for us. Obviously, we have a lot of work ahead of us, um, and uh, we just had an executive committee. I think we're all willing and ready to step up for the challenge again, Um, you know, back into the breach, as they say. Thank you all for joining us on this Season 5 premiere of On the Job with Porak with our legislative advocate, Randy Perry of Aaron Reed & Associates. If you haven't already, like and subscribe to this podcast and share us on social media. As always, we'd like to close this podcast by thanking all our PORAC members and our nation's law enforcement. We hope you stay safe and have a great day. 
ORHAC is California's largest law enforcement organization and the largest statewide association in the nation, representing over 77,000 public safety members since 1953. Our monthly podcasts, as well as past episodes, are available on ORHAC.org, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, ORHAC's YouTube channel, or where popular podcasts are downloaded. Be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms and tag us with your suggestions for future show topics. To learn more about our organization, visit us at ORHAC.org. We are Porak.